Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Tom blog, and I'm recording here in Newport Beach, California. Today, we're going to be talking about the article called, Why Would I Want to Be an Investor in a Week Like This? And I know you know what I'm talking about because it has been a crazy couple of weeks in the markets. The coronavirus has caught a lot of the media's attention. It's caused a scare amongst a lot of us on what it means to us health-wise and also what it means to our investments, the economy, and what will the unknown outcome be. So with that, I wanted to talk about something kind of interesting today. I had lunch with a high school. Actually, he's a recent high school grad. He's in his first year of college. He's possibly interested in maybe being an advisor in the future or working in the finance industry. And he just wanted to have kind of a Q&A lunch with me to understand what the industry is all about and if it would be maybe a good career path for him. He has some really good questions. And I refer to them, uh, not in a bad way, but kind of like childlike questions. I don't know if uh, one of your kids has ever come to you and asked a question that seemed really simple, but also made you kind of stop in your tracks and think, okay, how do I go about answering this? So one of the questions he asked when we were meeting was, why do people invest? I'm guessing that question was birthed out of kind of everything going on right now, is that if you see your accounts going up and down and sideways and uh, market news and this and that and the other... Is it worth it? Like to go through that emotional roller coaster, do you really want to be invested? And I guess the question comes from a place saying that there must be something good that comes from investing or, or why would somebody actually invest? So I wanted to break down that question in our article this week on Thoughts on Money. And again, I know it's a simple question, but it's one that you should slow down and answer because in times like this, it, it, things can get foggy and you need to remind yourself why you're actually invested. So in the article, we broke down, there's two primary reasons that people invest. And I'm going to break those down for the beginning. And then we're going to segue into a little bit more of kind of how an investor can stay invested, because it's a two-part question, right? Not only what outcome am I looking for, but how do I endure along the way? So let's start with the why. One reason that people invest is they want to buy something in the future that they can't currently afford. Simple, right? So let's say that in the future you have um, an expense that is $100,000. could be a new house. could be a new boat. could be uh, funding college for one of your kids. In the future, you have a $100,000 expense that you know is coming down the line. Today, you only have $50,000. So you have to f- make a roadmap on how you get from $50,000 to $100,000. Well, one way you could do that is from today to the day when you need to actually spend the money, you could just save X amount of money, hide it under your mattress, and over time, by saving and piling it up, you'll eventually get there. The problem with that is if you play the math out, that can take a long time. So how could you kind of speed up that process of getting from 50000 to to 100000 Well, you can get a rate of return on your investments. So the chart I included, if you go to the, the blog, is there's going to be three different rates of return just, again, for a hypothetical, showing you if you get a 2% return, a 5% return, or a 10% return, how long would it take to go from 50000 to 100000 What you'll see is as you increase the rate of return, the timeline to get to that particular goal shortens. So one reason that people invest is they have an expense in the future that they want to be able to afford, 
And by investing and increasing their rates of return, they can get there quicker. So that's one reason you'd want to invest. You want to grow your money. There's another reason you want to invest is that you want to be able to afford things in the future um, as prices increase. If I ask you individually, do things in your life get more expensive? Did that hamburger cost more today than it cost 10 years ago? Did your car cost more today than it cost when you got your first car? And you'd say, yeah, of course it did. I remember when I bought my first car, or I remember how much gasoline used to cost, or whatever it is, fill in the blank. In, in the world of finance, we call that inflation, that every year things increase a little bit each year. Over the last 50 years or so, that inflation rate has been about 3%. So not a big enough number where you notice it every year, but if you zoom out and you look over a 10-year time period or 20-year time period, you'll figure out that that can be significant. So one of the charts that I included in this week's blog is showing, hey, what does it look like in that same analogy if I took that $50,000, um, I didn't want to invest because I just thought, man, heck with the markets. It's too crazy. I'm not built for it. So I literally grabbed a shovel, went in the backyard, dug a hole, and I buried my $50,000 40 years later, there's something I wanted to purchase with it. So I grabbed that shovel, went, dug it up. And what can that $50,000 actually buy 40 years later? Well, because of inflation, if we're implying a 3% inflation rate, that $50,000 only bought me $15,000 worth of stuff. Let me say that again. I had $50,000, five zero. I buried it in the backyard. 40 years later, I went to dig it up because I needed to spend it. And it only bought me $15,000 worth of stuff. That's one five. That's what inflation will do over time. So when we're trying to think about why do people invest, one, like we talked about, they want to grow their money. They want to speed up the process for which they can have this future expense. And then secondly, they want to retain their buying power. If inflation is increasing the expenses around us by 2 or 3% each year, then we have to build some sort of investment strategy where our money is retaining its buying power. And this can be confusing for some people, but I will tell people that like to sit in, in large sums of, of cash that is kind of over, above and beyond what would be prudent, I'll tell them, hey, it is actually better that you go spend that money today and consume what you're looking to consume because it will lose its buying power in the future, which means you can actually get more today than you could get 10 years down the road. So it's really important to understand inflation because it's something that's kind of always happening in the background and it's not always super obvious, but over time, it definitely will have a huge effect on your financial plan. So again, this is an oversimplification, but I think it's really helpful to answer that high school student, why do people invest? One, People want to grow their money for a future expense that they can't afford today. Two, they want to make sure that they retain buying power and that their investments are outpacing inflation so they can buy the same amount in the future that they could with their money today. I think that sums up the answer to the question on why somebody would make an investment, right? But there's an underlying part of that question that I think should be answered, and in context of when he asked that question, well, he asked that question when we saw the market go down 4,000 points in one week. So what he might really be asking is, how can someone stay invested? Because obviously, it's really difficult. So one thing I talked about in the article, I called it the volatility spectrum. And it's this idea of understanding that when you build a financial plan, if you are looking for higher expected rates of return, you are going to get higher expected volatility. So you have to throttle your investment plan 
to balance what your personal tolerance is with what your particular goal is. And go back to that really simple chart where I showed um, investments compounding over time. Yes, if I tell you that, hey, there's a high probability that you'll accomplish this goal in less amount of time, you're probably going to say, yeah, let's go with that investment. But what you need to know is that chart was using fixed rates of return. Um, That's not how markets work. It's not like you come to a menu and you say, oh, do I want the 2% return, the 5% return, or the 10% return, and then I'm going to get that every year. No, the higher you go up the spectrum on expected rates of return, the more variation you're going to get, the more volatility you're going to get. And that's why there's that balance between, hey, what's my tolerance and what's my goals and when do I want to accomplish those goals by? And that balance should be something that you're meeting with your advisor to devise a portfolio that is fitting for you, both on the quantitative side and also the qualitative side. I gave two pieces of advice at the end of the article that I also think are really important. And these are kind of behavioral advice to help people not make really big mistakes. So the first one I call the illusion of safety. We talked about earlier if somebody went and grabbed that shovel and buried the money in the backyard. The reason that's a a common term or something that kind of you could relate to or putting money into the mattress is we have that attitude sometimes when everything's going crazy is, wow, I don't really want to participate in this, so I should go all to cash. Or I should really just take my money and put it in a CD. Or I should just put my money in a savings account and kind of wait till things settle. That is an illusion of safety. And I'm going to tell you for two reasons. One, we already said earlier that if I put my money all in cash, that I run the risk that I won't be able to buy as much in the future as I could buy today, and I will erode my buying power over time. So going all to cash does have that illusion of safety because of inflation. The second part, too, is it's easy to make the first part of the plan, that I'm going to go to all cash. Here's the hard part. When do you go back to your normal financial plan where you had some allocation to stocks, bonds, and alternatives that were built specifically for you to achieve a future goal? Yes, hitting the light switch to go from X to Y might be easy, but how do you go back in? And how do you time that? How do you time that um, from a mechanical standpoint? And also, how do you time that from an emotional standpoint? So there is this illusion of safety that I could switch all to cash and then make a different decision in the future. Be careful about that. The second thing I wanted to remind you from a behavioral aspect is framing matters. It matters a lot. When you build an investment portfolio, you are setting aside some money for future goals that are not near term, right? You might have a two-year-old that's going to go to college in 16 years and you have a college savings account, well, you need to look at that college savings account in context to a 16-year time horizon. You might be 40 years old and want to retire at 65. You need to look at that retirement account in context to a 25-year time horizon. When I'm using the word time horizon, I'm, I'm just using that to say that's how far away the goal is before you actually want to achieve it, right? If someone is going to run a marathon and it's 26 miles, they probably are not thinking much about the finish line in the first mile. They have a lot to go. But that's a common mistake in investments is that we build an investment portfolio for these long-term goals, but then we open our statement tomorrow and we get jittery or we get nervous. But that's not prudent, right? If I was going to go grab a recipe and cook a steak or bake a cake or whatever it might be, if that recipe calls for it to be in the oven for two hours, 
am I going to open the oven after 20 minutes, take a, take a sample or a test, a little taste of it, and then decide, oh, wow, this doesn't taste very good. Um, I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to make a go to the grocery store and get something new. No, that's absolutely silly, right? We look at the recipe. We understand that it's going to take two hours, and we're not going to test or taste our recipe or our dish until it gets closer to its time horizon, until it's actually done getting fully cooked. And it's really important to help frame that because if you don't, um, our emotions, we have kind of that fight or flight mentality that we'll want to make a decision today to just get that relief and feel better, even though it might not be the best decision for our long-term goals. I included a Sharpie picture that uh, Carl Richards drew that I really, really like. It's just two little charts right next to each other. One, it looks like a, a an EKG, kind of up and down, heart rate going crazy, and above it says days. And then on the one on the right, it says uh, just a straight line kind of going up and to the right, and it says decades. And it asks, you decide which to focus on. And it's so true because on a day-to-day basis, that that volatility looks crazy. Uh, the up and down, the highs and lows, and it will drive you insane. But if you zoom out and you start to look at your investment portfolio over longer time horizons, over longer time periods, you'll see that that volatility becomes very, very smooth. And it goes with that adage where people say, um, you're missing the forest for the trees, right? So I want to encourage you to zoom out a little bit. I hope today's conversation was helpful. Um, and we will wrap up with that reminder that, hey, why do people invest? They invest to grow their money and to retain their buying power. Yes, I know it can be difficult, but we have to battle our behavioral instincts to make sure that we stay the course. Go ahead and email me at tcummings at thebonsagroup.com if you have comments or questions. I'd encourage you to rate the podcast, leave comments, and of course, be back next week with another podcast and Tom article. Thanks for listening to the Thoughts on Money podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next week. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.